Hi, and welcome to Behind the Shot. This is the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots to better understand the processes and choices that that photographer may have made for that individual photo. And today, it's all about capturing the moment. Hi, as always, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazel, your host, and uh, boy, do we have a great show lined up for you today. A couple of things I want to let you know about ahead of time. First of all, you can find the show notes for today's show at BehindTheShot.tv. I've also got a gallery of my guests' work there that you can kind of preview what they shoot, and also all the links that you can find my guest anywhere that you want to online, so make sure that you check that out. Again, it's BehindTheShot.tv. If you want to follow us online, the easiest place is Twitter or Instagram, as I have put my Facebook accounts into hibernation, that's a long story. But uh, on Twitter or Instagram for me, it's at Steve Brazel. It's like the country of Brazil, but two L's. And for the podcast, it's Behind the Shot TV, also Twitter or Instagram. And that brings us up to today's guest, which I'm not going to lie, this guest is one I've actually been a little nervous about because today's guest shoots a style of photography that I am so interested in doing and actually shoots like three, maybe four styles of photography that I'm interested in doing. Atiba Jefferson, welcome to Behind the Shot. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It, it is my pleasure. You're not far from me. You're in Southern California. You're LA based. Mm-hmm. And I guess the best place to start with you is what you're most known for. If, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're most known for your skateboard photography, right? Yeah, skateboard photography is what I'm most known for. Um, it's how I got started. It's what got me interested in photography. But I do feel like I do other things too as well. But I really like action. Um, so basketball being a second love is uh, something that I got really into. But I've always been into portraiture as well. So it's funny being an action guy, but also really liking, you know, the intimacy of portraiture. Um, and then also, you know, I kind of shoot a little bit of everything. I love music. I just really love shooting things that I'm a fan of, which is skateboarding and basketball sports and, and music. Which is, I mean, let's be honest, if you're going to photo, like I'm a live music photographer myself, that's pretty much all that I shoot. And other than portraiture around that, like, you know, behind the scenes, backstage, meet and greet type stuff. But the 25 years that you've been shooting skateboard type action shots, uh, you've worked with pretty much every major skateboard publication. You now work for Thrasher a lot, Mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm full-time staff at Thrasher Magazine. And- you mentioned a couple of things that are interesting to me because you you could draw a distinction between basketball, which we'll get into in a second because you're well known for your basketball work as well, and skateboard in the sense that it's all sports. But there are totally different kind of sports in many ways. It's a different type of action. Yeah. It's a different type of, of control environment, right? When you shot for basketball mostly, you were the actual staff photographer for our Southern California, Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, during well, the Shaq I wasn't and Kobe. The, I wasn't the staff. That's Andy Bernstein. Just, okay. But I assisted him and shot for the Lakers and Clippers. And, and we're talking about during the Shaq and Kobe years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The first three championships I was working with Andy. So I was all the games, you know, I was lucky to see Kobe win all five of his rings. I was in Orlando and I was here. I was in Boston when they lost. Um, Yeah. But I, I, you know. The, the staff photographer is Andy, so I just wanted to correct it. Um, Which is great. And because, and, uh, you know, he taught me so much of what I know. And he was such a big influence on my skateboard photography. What I learned shooting and assisting him, I brought into my skateboarding, which was totally changed the way that I shot skateboarding. And I would do the same thing when I shot basketball. I would take what I learned from skateboarding and bring it into basketball, which gave me a whole different look into it. So it's really something that really had a huge impact. I mean, it's night and day, the knowledge that that guy. I I have to dive deeper into that because that's intriguing to me. I mean, 
I'm one of those proponents, and I tell people I do critique shows on this podcast as well, and I, I tell people all the time, stop trying to only, only learn from people in your genre. You can learn from everything. 100%. I don't care if you're a skateboard shooter. You can look at what a Moose Peterson does in landscape photography, and yeah. there are elements you can understand of foreground, midground, background subject, composition, etc. So I'm, I'm, I'm really curious, you know, just even if you can give one, what what from your skateboarding world influenced your basketball work and vice versa? What from your basketball world uh, do you think may have influenced your skateboard stuff? Well, I think specifically basketball, the big thing was uh, leaf shutter and learning how to freeze, really freeze action. Because before high-speed sync, 250 with the flash still didn't always make things razor sharp. So Andy was shooting Hasselblads. He taught me how to use a Hasselblad, which you sync at 500th of a second with the leaf shutter, which is razor sharp, razor, razor sharp. So I took a Hasselblad and medium format photography into skateboarding full time. People had done it before, but I was the first one to buy the big fish eye and do that, which gave me a whole different look. But what I was doing in skateboarding, which was a lot of cross process, a lot of black and white fish eye, I brought that into my basketball photography, which that stuff had been done. All this stuff has been done, but it's like whether you kind of own that look for a little bit. And, you know, that's what, uh, you know, changed my look in both worlds. Um, you know, also what I got from basketball, which I would have never got was digital. They, they, I remember they gave me a, a, a Canon and it had like a hard drive, like this big, on the bottom of it. It was like, you know, when digital first started, it was like right. $20,000 and, you know, it was probably three megapixels, but that was my first introduction to digital. And, and I remember seeing that and being like, this is going to be, this is going to be big. This is going to be different. You know, you knew right then. Yes. hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay. So, so go ahead. So yeah, the, I would have never really gotten to the digital world without the basketball because in skateboarding, it, it was, it, it was kind of very taboo to shoot digital. You know, a lot of people were just purists of film, which I understand. Yeah. I mean, and I know a lot of people in music who still go into a photo pit or they'll go into a photo pit or on a stage if they're shooting, you know, for an artist with digital on one hip, maybe a wide digital on the other hip and around their neck, they'll have some film camera just to get oh, yeah. something different in, in that effect. I always have a film camera on me at all times. I still have oh, my still first, today. I, yeah. Oh yeah. I still, uh, what I really like to do is I bring my EOS one V because I can just switch all my lenses. You know, I'm a R guy now. I really love the Canon R uh, series stuff, but I, um, you know, I'll go into a show specifically concerts. And I mean, that's, what's awesome. You have your, it's almost like a Polaroid back because you can just look at the image on the digital, know it's a set because shooting concerts, the lighting gets tricky. Every shoot I go to, I carry a film camera hundred percent. Oh, that's see, I, I, I should start doing that. I think it would be fun. You've shot your type of photography has led you to more slam magazine covers than anyone else. And yeah. you also touched on the fact that you do music and you do lifestyle stuff, which was stuff, which I'm going to bring in on some questions I've got for you coming up later. But I, yeah. I do want to mention in the video, you're wearing a Supreme shirt, which is a client. You've done Adidas, Nike, Converse. You literally your client list reads like a sports hall of fame, ESPN, Gatorade, Oakley, Mountain Dew, Pepsi, Panasonic, Netflix, go on and on. But here's the one I want to really focus on. You, you mentioned the 1D series and the R series. As of October 1st, Atiba Jefferson is a new Canon Explorer of Light. So number one, congratulations. Well Thank earned, you. by the way. Thank Your you. work is Thank killer, you. man. Well earned. I appreciate but it. But I need to know, when, when you got that call, what did that feel like? 
Oh, it was unbelievable. Um, Kevin and Rita are amazing over at Canon and have just been so good. And and I had done stuff for Canon before for Canon Canada. Um, and it's one of those things where you it's like being a little kid and there's the pickup basketball game where no one picks you, you know, because <laughs> after a certain point in your career, you know, you that's the final level, right? Like in the video game, like getting an ambassadorship from a camera company is the dream. And and for me coming from skateboarding specifically where I've done board photo series and my own collaboration shoes and clothing, it's like cameras are the one thing where we don't really get that kind of shine. So this has just been amazing. But I, I think what's even more amazing about it that I've seen in just the short little time I've been with Canon is they really use you and they're, they're really behind me. They're really supporting me. And it's just really cool. It's such an honor to already the stuff that I have coming out and the stuff that I've done with them is way more than I thought I would get in my lifetime. So it's just been a dream, you know, it's, it, you know, cameras are a tool that photographers use every day and to be able to have input on this thing and, you know, help them and, and test the R5 before it came out and, and do these things and know that my voice will be heard through them is just great. But also being a camera that I've used for 25 years, you know, is also an amazing thing. And, and at this point in my career, you know, I am getting older not stopping anytime soon, but you know, it, it, it's almost like you worked really hard and it paid off. So it, it, it's just great. Well, and, and you've joined a very elite group of ambassadors yes, for Canon yes. and the Canon Explorers of Light. Yes. Um, what I find interesting about this whole thing with, with Canon adding a couple of new uh, Canon Explorers of Light is the worlds that they went in. So they, most people think of ambassadors in those, I don't know what to call it, you know, photography standards, portraiture, yeah. commercial, landscape. Yeah. Canon already has, for example, my buddy David Bergman, who is a tour photographer and live music photographer. Yeah. And now somebody who is known for their sports and known for really um, an alternative sport in skateboarding. And I think it's really cool that they can see outside that that traditional box, right? And, yes, and go. That's 100%. huge. Yeah. I, I, the, the biggest thing about that too is skateboarding and the world that I live in is so creative and there's so many other creatives that I think the impact of me having this partnership with Canon is really seen in the world that I live in. You know, I was getting a rental car the other day and the guy working like was like, Hey, congratulations. Like I didn't know him, you know? And I, I think even in our world skateboarding and all of it, the recognition that Canon's recognizing that as a type of photography is really great because it is a big thing, you know, action sports are always considered like the big photo thing or video camera thing, sale tool, because that's all the kids want to do. They just want to shoot photos and film each other, do these things. It's not really like that in traditional sports. You don't have your one friend who's like, oh, let's go to the court and you shoot photos of me. No, but in skating, that's a hundred percent. Every crew has their photographer and filmer. Well, and with all sports, People either want to be the one taking the pictures of it or the person out there doing it. Yeah. So, you know, again, recognizing the X Games type sports, I think from a from a major camera manufacturer is a big deal, which brings me to some questions before we get into today's shot. Yep. And that is with the music, with the sports, with the skateboarding and your classic studio portraits. Right. I mean, you can switch gears from skateboarding to classic studio portraits in a way I've seen very few people do because your studio portraits are truly, you know, traditional. You can do traditional studio portraits. Yeah. I'm curious in your head, is there is there a switch that you're turning to switch between uh, those? Uh, I think the biggest switch is knowing that I'm not getting kicked out 
by the cops. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In the studio, you get comfortable, you know, when we're shooting skating, you know, you're technically breaking a law. Uh, anything but, can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Anything can happen. Um, you know, people get hurt. It's, it's, it's a hairy line of work. Uh, but it's all about light and skateboarding has taught me to be quick. And, you know, I never know what the lighting's like going to be like at the spot. I never know what the conditions are going to be like at a spot. So when I'm in the studio, I can switch that gear really quickly because I already know how things work as far as lighting and, and angles and stuff, because I'm so used to being rushed shooting skating that, you know, in a studio, it's super easy. Um, I see light. I always say this. I see light. I see angles. I see photos. It's constantly always going. And okay, for but, me. But, but here's the thing, though. The light that's when when you're shooting skateboarding, the light is natural and it's different. When, when you go in the studio, there's three ways you could approach that. You could try and recreate that natural light. You could abandon that and try and recreate any kind of lighting, traditional portrait lighting that you want, or you can kind of merge the two. Do, do you intentionally try and leave that that street type light behind and create your own unique light, or do you try and recreate well, what you're used to? No, I mean, 75% of my skateboarding stills are lit by flash. Oh, okay. 75%. All right. Yes. I'm a Studio flash. Starts. Well, it just it depends, you know, um, I'm really, you know, I've tried everything. Um, Lumidine to, you know, pro photos, Ellen Chrome, you know, Canon, Godox, everything. I'm constantly changing my lighting, uh, in skateboarding because the lighter, the better We have to hop fences. So you got to keep your gear light. Right. Um, you know, now that like with, with this partnership with Canon and seeing they have some new flashes, I'm going to switch completely over to using their flashes versus bare bulb flashes, which I've used before in the past. Um, but yes, I shoot, I'm a strobe expert. I can talk duration. I can talk high speed sync. I can talk any of that at any time. Interesting. So okay. that's why when I'm in the studio, you know, it, it's just as easy because the thing is you're shooting, as, you're shooting yeah, hundred percent because shooting anything outdoors, there's only two really good times of actual natural light, the beginning of the day and the end of the day, everything in between is overhead dark shadows and terrible. So, you know, that's the art of my skate photography is knowing how to light it. Okay. But so, okay. All right. Let's take that deeper then. All of your work, whenever I have a guest on, I look through their kind of body of work to try and find commonalities. And, and one of the things I find about you, there's a couple things I said at the beginning, it's all about the moment. And we'll touch on that in a second, but your location portraits, your studio portraits, your skateboarding work, your your uh, you know basketball, whatever, your more commercial work, they all have a journalistic style to them. Regardless, of, I'm, I'm leaving post processing out, right? Like you even yeah, said yeah, in the yeah. early days, some of your processing and skateboarding you kind of brought to your basketball stuff. But aside from that, the style of the root shot is very journalistic to me. How do you yeah. describe your style? Um, I would say very honest. You know, I don't really try and get my subjects to be wild or crazy or not be themselves. I like, most of my subjects don't like being photographed. So I like to be quick, but I like it to be intimate. I like it to be themselves. Um, probably more on the serious side. You know, I am blown away by like a David LaChapelle and, that kind of crazy stuff, but I'm a simple person. Um, 
you know, I really like simple backgrounds in the studio, whether it's black, white, or gray, you know, I do like color with the uniform stuff is always really nice, but I like it to be tonal a lot of times. Um, but yeah, just simple for me, simple is better, but that's kind of funny that I say that because I also really enjoy like doing gels and doing everything. But I think the journalistic side comes because Andy taught me at a young age that like you need to have your photograph be able to tell a story. You know, right. I was so That's trained it. on like just getting that one trick and that was it and getting it perfect. No, you, you know, he taught me is like, you need to get the slam dunk. What happens after on the court, not just the moment of the slam dunk, you know, and that really Which, resonated with me. And, and a lot of photographers that I really love, I see them capturing these moments, whether it's like before the skate session, you know, the photo of them getting kicked out, arguing with security, breaking the board, you know, a band, like you said, whether it's in the green room, you know, tuning, their guitar, or there's those moments that are really special. And as a journalist, that's what you want to capture. Yeah. And, and one of my favorite shots I've taken, uh, music wise was of Jonathan, Jonathan Davis of corn. And it was at a thing called uh 48 hours festival years and years ago in Vegas. And to me, that's, that's the example of what you just described And that. And by the way, that shot for those that have seen it, it's not perfect. It's not sharp. It's soft, but it was one of those moments people go into a photo pit to shoot a band or they go to shoot skateboarding and they want to get the Ollie, right? Or they yeah, want to get exactly. whatever. They want to get the 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 guitarist stank face. Yeah. But in this one, it's in between songs, right? Where most photographers are putting their cameras down, which is wrong. Yeah. And on. he's just looking out at the crowd with this smile on his face. And you can tell for that moment, he's the audience. Yeah. Right. That moment, which which is the moment type thing to me, is where I want to go when we get into this shot, because so much of your portfolio comes down to what you just described. You got to get before the dunk. You got to get after the dunk. The timing of your shots from from jump to ollie to to hand sign to a facial look, even in a portrait studio, it all comes down to you manage. And it could be you shoot nine thousand shots and use one. I don't know. But. You manage to capture moments that tell a story. So what's yeah. your guiding light for defining in your own head what's the moment you need? Uh, well, really what that is, is pre-visualization and knowing what you're shooting. I mean, obviously stuff happens on the fly and you don't know what's going to happen. But once you shoot skateboarding or you shoot basketball as much as I have, you can pre-visualize and you know what's about to happen, when it's about to happen, how, you know, and you're able to kind of sit back and go, oh, okay. You know, before that dunk, you know, I know he's going to cross over or do something. And then after the dunk, I'm probably going to turn my camera on the bench because they're going to go crazy, you know, or a skateboarder makes a trick. As soon as he makes a gnarly trick, all the homies are going to come over and pile him right. and it's going to be this moment. So it's just anything like that. It's, it's like you know, going I into a photo say, pit for a concert, knowing yes, the song. You, exactly. Or, you know, I've done a couple tours where I follow the band for multiple dates and, you know, th they do the same move, the same song. So you can look at the set list and go, Oh, okay. This is when Sam's going to jump on the ground this right. is, you know, when Franz is going to jump into the pit with his bass, it's going to be this song. So, you know, it, anything, it's just the experience of knowing what you're going to shoot and pre-visualizing and know the image that you kind of want, know the, know, know the story you want to tell and be able to compose that photo to do it like a live show. Sometimes I like to carry a 70 to 200 in the pit because I can just poach portraits of an artist. You know, right, in on stage portraits. Stock. Yeah, because they're constantly. But I have a picture. I've never shot Kendrick Lamar one on one, but I have a picture where he's looking dead into my 70 to 200. You would think it was in a studio. So, you know, 
I, that, I mean, that's my funnest thing to do when I shoot live concerts, but then again, you want to shoot the wide, you know, when you're right. in a barrier where you can see the whole crowd. So, you know, just pre-visualize the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Pre-visualizing and knowing what you want to shoot and going there with a goal is always the best. Okay. So let's get into today's shot. Before we do, for those that are on the audio feed, let me just explain. You can go to behindtheshot.tv. You can see the photo there. You can see uh, uh, some stuff that I wrote about Atiba. You can see a small gallery of his work so you get a better idea. And all his links are there so that you can find him wherever you need to go. And if you're a podcast fan, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, iHeart, uh, or in your podcast catcher. And in a podcast catcher, if your podcast app does support video, when you search for Behind the Shot, two options. You'll see an audio only and you'll see a video version. <laughs> Subscribe to the one that you want. And if you would leave us a review in iTunes or whatever, that would be great. Also, the video is up on Behind the Shot on YouTube. Subscribe, make sure you hit the bell, all of that type of stuff. And, and, and that way you'll know when we do our live critique shows or release a new show like this one with, with Atiba, which brings us to this particular shot. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, I don't know the name for this shot. I was going to ask you and I decided not to. I'm curious what it is, because in my head, I always like titling shots. In my head, this is called Chaos in the Streets. But <laughs> is, is there, and you can see why based on this, is there a name that you named this shot? No. Okay. So Cairo Foster 2007, the skater's Cairo Foster. Okay. So I'm going to try, I told you I was going to do this ahead of time, <laughs> and Jump in whenever you want because I suck at this. This one's real. This is one of the hardest ones I've ever had to try and describe verbally for those that are on the audio feed. So, picture if you will an urban city type scene. So, you've got buildings in the background, you've got power lines in the background, plus, you have wires overhead where you don't see the power poles. Um, the buildings in the background are separated. They are behind a wrought iron fence. And that wrought iron fence is kind of like if you picture in downtown L.A., you go to a parking lot, you know, across from a theater, and it'd be the wrought iron fence that chains in the parking lot, as it were. You know, like with spikes on top and stuff like that. And it's separating. But through the fence, you can see some graffiti. So you can tell it's kind of deep urban area and gives you that kind of feel. Now, here's the key, though. Camera left. The entire entire frame except for the very bottom is smoke and debris and dust as though there were an explosion now that explosion and that debris and dust comes across full frame about from about halfway down to almost near the bottom so exploded on the left is what it looks like and it shot across the bottom half of the frame uh the dust is the debris is dust and smoke and apparently very large Pieces of concrete is what it looks like to me. I don't know. Center frame, about the lower third, is a skateboard, but the skateboard is off the ground except for like a little teeny corner kind of landed on the ground. As though it is either leaving the ground or it's just coming back. Yeah. Uh, camera right is the interesting part. And by the way, I should say foreground subjects, the pieces of concrete. Camera right, lower third, is the skateboarder. And the skateboarder has his feet in the air. His entire body is off the ground except for his left shoulder. And his, his face is right at the camera. There's that moment, right? This could have been his face the other way, his face up. Yeah. No, face at the camera and his hands. This is what tells the story to me. Because now you can yeah. hear the volume. His hands are over his ears. Yeah. How'd I do? You did great. You did awesome. I mean, I, I, it's really hard with, to explain a picture. And, you know, I know this picture because I was there and you actually pointed out a lot of details that I never paid attention to before. So my hat's off to you that way. Um, so, yeah, I, this I was... just see Cairo and this board. But OK, uh, interesting. All right. So you shot this, you said 2017? 2007, 2007, 2007. Okay, so 13 years ago. Yeah, 13 Canon years 1D ago. Canon 1D Mark II. Canon 1D Mark II. Yep, absolutely. 
70 to 200, 2.8. And here's where it gets interesting. First of all, manual mode. I get that. White balance in the EXIF data showed that it was manual white balance. Would you remember doing that? Do you normally do that? I stay in manual white balance, 100%. Yeah. And what do you set it to? things can be changed because when we shoot sequences, if you're in auto, I mean, some people just set it to shade or to... You know, I set it to 5,000. That's just the color temperature that I like. Um, But you're shooting raw, so you can change it. But at least there's consistency in your previews. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I like that. Now, let's get to exposure. And and I have people argue that, and, and I'll say it up front, yes, you could not take this exposure and capture the shot. First of all, you'd need to make an explosion. But ignoring yeah. that element, um, it's still a baseline for people to understand the the tack, I mean, tack freaking sharpness of this yeah, shot I, from the skateboarder to the skateboard. My God, yeah, man. Yeah. So it, it, I would have shot exposed this different now. To be honest, okay. So I let's mean, go that there. Was thirteen years ago. I think I've learned a little bit in the last thirteen. This years. was seventy millimeters, three twenty yeah. ISO, f eight at one one thousandth. What would you have done different today? I would have bumped it to four hundred, and I would have probably taken it down to. I would have gone to two thousandth of a second, and I probably would have brought it to six three seven one on my aperture. Okay. And why? Because, why, because why those? I've, I've really found like with available light that 2000 really sh- freezes action more than a thousand. Like in the rule okay. of photography, it was always like 500. No, 500, it kind of freezes it. Thousand is better, 2000. But I've even shot like golfing. I need to be at like four to eight thousandth of a second to, sh- to freeze it. So it's like when I, sh- when I photograph... Uh, martial arts and Muay Thai and things like that. A lot of times the lighting is such that even cranked ISO, I'm lucky to get one four hundredth. But in truth, yeah. to really freeze a punch, you need six fortieth to a thousandth to really honestly yep. freeze a punch. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. So, so this one, I think I got lucky because it is really sharp. Um, you know, I yeah, it's. Wow. I don't know what I was doing, to be honest. I, I, I really kind of need to look back and go, why did you do that? You Maybe I wanted more depth of field. Um, do you want me to explain the Which whole thing? Which works here, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Because you see from him to the fence is sharp all the way. And the graffiti. And yep. I think, I actually think if the graffiti was too blurred, it would just be a color blob. But having it be graffiti yeah. is the story in a way. Yeah, um, it definitely looks more street. Like everything you described, I never really thought about. But even those fences and those fences are actually reversed. So it shows that somehow we got into this parking, you know, it is a parking lot um, structure that somehow we got in there without, you know, in a fence you're not supposed to get into. So that's okay. the cool thing. So. I guess the the main question is first of all, where is this and what the heck is happening? Uh, it's downtown LA, and to be honest, I don't want to spoiler alert anything. You 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 should really. I'll send you the link to the video. It's okay. an intro. It's an intro to a skateboard film. Um, this is all fake. Obviously. Oh. Thank you. No, no. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? They pulled it off. Yeah, because because this is freaking awesome, and and it's funny because like I make notes right just to kind of go off of so I don't forget to say. Yeah, you go first because it's funny that you. I I was just going to say this photo out of everything. Okay, so I actually had a note going. There's no way he was prepared for this. What he was seeing, and the truth is, you were totally prepared for this. That's fascinating. Okay, wow. Um. (laughs) So nowadays, if you were shooting, when you shoot skateboarding normally, yeah, do you try and get two thousandth of a second? Now? Yeah, I pretty much now with hypersync flash, I stay at two thousand. Available light, I stay at two thousand. Unless the lights. Did you have low. flash on this? No, no, it's just available light. I mean, I was kind of just there shooting photos. This is an intro to video, a skateboard video for Lakai. It was a shoot. It's a shoot company. 
Um, and it was done with this guy, Ty Evans, who makes great skateboard films and Spike Jones. Um, and I don't know if any of y'all know, but Spike Jones is one of the biggest influences on me Beastie as Boys. far as my, yeah, everything. He was a skate photographer. He was BMX and he was a huge skate photographer in the nineties. And he's a huge influence on me. Uh, also a dear friend. Okay. Um, I love him. He's one of the, the nicest. And um, so they were filming this and I showed up. Now, I will say this was the first take in Cairo and none of us knew the explosions were going to be this intense. So this really rocked So is them. his, is his so, falling real? Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. Because he was supposed to. You don't see it to the left, but there's a skateboard obstacle he was grinding and was supposed to make the grind. But then the explosion happened and it just rocked him. It rocked all of us. It was like that whole shoot. I learned a lot about shooting explosions. <laughs> like if there's an explosion, have your camera on tripod because you will flinch. Like you will. Oh, flinch. Yeah, hundred percent. If you're going to shoot anything with pyro or any big explosion, have your camera on tripod because you'll, uh, you know, like no so matter what. Was this tripod? System. No, no, I was not tripod. I learned. I think I brought my tripod out the second day because there was a really big explosion where I went, whoa. Yeah, I'll send you a I link to it. It's a, it's a it's a it's a video called Lakai Fully Flared, and it was a vi very viral intro. There's a lot of explosions going through fake walls and all kinds of really cool stuff. But yes, this is fake. So sorry, oh, sorry, God, Steve. Well, I will tell you, you managed. Now, I I never thought about how did you get it so tack sharp if there was an explosion, because yeah, I would have flinched. Um, People go to behindtheshot.tv and look at this photo. It is, and you can see you'll it'll probably come through in the video, but it is it is freaking tack sharp. And here's the thing: the the props in this, especially now knowing that it was a video shoot, but you were still surprised. So in some ways, my interpretation of the shot wasn't off, right? You didn't even expect no. that. No, 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 no. This looks like it, like some kind of war photo. It's like... No. Yes, it looks like a protest photo. And no. even during that, you managed to get it perfectly composed. I mean, if you look some at this from a traditional photo... Some people say that's a photo, problem with my career, I will tell you that. Say that again? <laughs> The, the the thing about perfectly composed, like some people say I'm too clean of a shooter because now there's a style, especially in a lot of stuff of the world that I live in, they like really raw kind of loose point and shooty stuff. Right. I cannot help but to compose a clean photo. It's like in my DNA. And I'm sorry, break all the people, go break all the composition rules that you want once you 100%. know them and understand why they're there. I mean, there's a reason... Rembrandt lighting is popular and it's because yeah. the it's masters that studied, you mentioned it earlier, light, you know, light, the masters oh. that studied light understood what worked for our mind and what was the most flattering and looked good. And it's yeah. the same thing with composition. There are certain things that lead a human's eye through a photo that are comfortable to our eye to yeah. see based on left, right position, then go break them all you want. But hundred percent, there you, are no rules. There's no rules. But when you got them, they work. They so this guy is perfectly on the intersection of two rule of thirds, yeah. which goes his leg goes right up the side of that building. Like this, the edge of that building goes right yeah. down through the arch of his foot. You've got the bottom rule of third is where, you know, visually the bottom of that fence is the top rule of third is the exact top of those towers. The other rule of third is the edge of the smoke explosion. You've got foreground object with the rocks in the front. You've got mid ground object with which is the skateboarder and his skateboard. You got I mean, there's so much going on in here composition wise that what I love is you took traditional composition whether it be conscious or not could just be second nature but you took traditional composition ideas and made them into photojournalism where it feels random and natural i guess i i do have a question on that actually 
How'd you track him focus-wise? Like screwing, I don't care F8 or not, screwing up the focus on this would have been super easy. Yeah, to be honest, I probably pre-focused on the obstacle he was skating. That's normally what we do. And I probably just followed through. I I can track, you know, that's what we do in basketball. I do rear button and I just track and then pull it off. Same as me, yeah. But do you this, do single I, point or do you do a range or do single. you do, you know, you've got a single, single. point with point assist? Single. I, I kind of want to do more point assist, but single. Okay. Yeah. And, and do you always stay center or do you move your focus point? Move my focus point to what my composition wants to be. Okay. Um, and which is, and you have a one D series, which then makes sense because I shoot on a five D four and, uh, exposure does not follow the focus point or metering. I, always, I should say I, doesn't follow my focus. I point. always stay in manual focus 99% of the time. Oh, you're not auto. Okay. Interesting. But oh, your rear no, button no, focus sorry. when manual exposure. Manual exposure. Okay, yeah, yeah. 99% um, of the time manual. So whatever my and, meter gets tricked with, it wouldn't matter anyways. And I shoot rear button autofocus, and it's the funniest thing. I know people who can't do it, but I'll tell you, once you spend yeah. a couple of weeks on rear button focus, you literally can't go back. Thing. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've many a shoot where there's multiple cameras rented, and I'm like, to my Digitech, I need rear button. Rear yeah. button is my Okay, so everything. here's a question on your lighting. Because knowing what I know now, you are a lighting master. So shooting outside and shooting, uh, I'm going to use skateboarding as the example here. Yeah. Shooting outside, shooting skateboarding that's happening middle of the day. You've got little time. Um, you don't know what's going to happen as far as getting kicked out of a place. You bring a light with you and you're trying to balance the light to make it look natural. Uh, no, I'm trying what to actually, your... I'm trying to overexpose the skater. So my background is darker. So I'm trying to actually beat the sun by a stop. Oh, so you're not trying to balance you. You don't mind if it looks like the flash at them. No, that's what we like because then it spotlights them, spotlights the spot and brings the background down. So you do a natural vignette. Basically, you brighten the the, the skater to exposure. And the spot. Everything else skating, is down and, and becomes. The stairs. Yeah. And then that why it all focuses, goes on him. And that's got to also world. help with controlling like specular highlights from buildings and rails and things like that in the yeah, background. Yeah, 100%. It's always great. Nothing gets blown out. Okay. I like that. All right. So let's talk post because you mentioned earlier, you know, some of your post stuff you brought from skateboard to basketball and, and et cetera. When you go do a shoot, regardless of what it is, what's your, what's your kind of standard post routine? You bring them uh, into the computer. What do you do? You mean for skating? Like if I do a skate photo, I bring in, I just bump the shadows and bump contrast and try and pull back on highlights and whites if they're blown out. That's really it. I try not That's to over. It. Yeah. I used to be like super overcooking digital photo with the Everybody HD did. probably like what, 15 years ago. But now I really yeah. just try and make it look like what I saw when I saw like this slide that, you know, we always shot slide. You're, you're a Lightroom user, right? Yes. Adobe Lightroom all day. I love it so much. Do you, do you go into any, do you go into Photoshop at all? Do you use Nick or anything yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, Photoshop a hundred percent, you know, and I, I'm really starting to get used to the Canon utility as well. Um, but those are the three softwares that I use. Yes. Okay. So you mentioned you used to do some, you know, do a tone, split tone type stuff. Um, you don't do that much anymore because some of your shots, like if you go, if you go look at, at Atiba's website, atibaphoto.com, some of your black and white stuff to me is super telling of your, your, uh, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. It really, well, to the, me, the black and white, I, you know, growing up in a dark room, I really look at Photoshop and Lightroom as a digital dark room. So there's a lot of techniques right. that I learned in a dark room that I try to apply to my post with my black and white specifically. What, what would you have done to a shot like this? Any idea? 
Just same thing you mentioned, uh, the shadows, the highlights. Yeah, yeah. I would have brought up shadows, which would have had to probably open up for his face. Um, then I would have actually probably bumped the clarity a little bit to get the clouds to be more moody. I would have probably burned them in. I probably burnt in all those clouds and stuff just to give them more depth with the So dark. adjustment brush stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love painting. I love, I love that. Okay. Do, do you use a Wacom tablet? I used to. Probably when I did this, I was using a Wacom tablet. I just got an iPad Pro at the beginning of COVID to do more, but that was my the most devastating thing is that, I mean, I haven't checked it yet, but like, you know, it doesn't dodge and burn. Like there's techniques to do it, but it doesn't do the traditional one. Um, so I just have been using my mouse. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And, and I, but, I have a Wacom uh, sitting next to me. I don't use it as often great. as I used to either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, they're, they're, I they're great the ones them, but like I use photo, an Apple trackpad. Yeah. Where the photo came onto it. That was the Wacom that I used. So it was actually a monitor. Oh, a that Cintiq. Really yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. See, I'm wondering if in Photoshop on the iPad, you could, do you got layers, right? Yeah, you got layers and it, it, the, the iPad's great. They're almost there, you know. I think they just need to add that because when I do like the healing, like taking out blemishes and stuff, I actually prefer it on the iPad versus the uh, versus because you've got the, the monitor you're editing right in the picture. But yeah. you could you could do a, a fifty percent gray layer on top, put yeah. it in overlay mode, exactly, and then, right, and but, paint on it that way. I mean, that's. Yeah. It's not traditional dodging and burning, but still. Exactly. But it, I'm just so used to the way I did it before that I'm like, I'm kind of hoping before I was to learn a new technique that they would actually just make that happen. Okay. So let me, let me go a different way here. You manage to capture moments that many people miss. Either they miss focus or they miss composition or they arguably most important over any technical aspect, they miss the story. And again, I'm not talking skateboarding or basketball or anything. It could be anything, right? If you're taking a landscape photo, you still need to make me want to stand there because I'm, I want to know the story, right? Yeah. So for those people like this one, I, there's no way in hell I would have gotten focus on this. I would have blown this shot nine times out of 10. So what are the tips on capturing action and that moment, like you do, what's your top pre-visualization? Pre-visualization. If you're going to try and shoot okay. action, regardless of slam dunk, regardless if it's an ollie down ten stairs, you know most of the time where they're going to be. You know that it's easy. Like I knew in these clouds is the skate spot he's going to hit. So I, you know, I didn't visualize him eating. Sh but I'm already there. My focus is already there. My composition's already there. Pre-visualizing always, but like obviously in spontaneous situations, that back button focus and being keeping your eye on the camera and keeping your eye on the action. That's another big thing. Never take your eye off the ball, so to speak, you know, because that's right. where the action's happening. Okay. So last question before mm -hmm. we wrap up. Who is a photographer or photographic artist type person that you think people should be following that they should know about? Kind of like a pick of the week type thing. Who's, who's that photographer out there that people need to go look up? Oh, man, there's so many. Uh, there's so many photographers that I that I really, 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 really enjoy. I mean, I can't even say that because... There's so many that, um, you know, there's all the older photographer and that's the thing in skateboarding. There's all the kind of older ones, but, um, you know, it, there's so many, but I would say the guys How who about have this? big impact People go to your Instagram, me. people go to your Instagram and look at who you follow. I follow a lot of people though is the only thing, but Grant Britton for skateboarding. He taught me so much. Uh, Andy Bernstein for basketball. He taught me so much. Uh, one uh, hip hop photographer I really like is um, Jonathan Mannion. Um, 
there, there's a lot of photographers that I don't even know uh, them that I follow. Um, I'm finally at an age where I'm comfortable looking at other photographers' work. I learned at a young age not to look at anyone's other work because you'll rip it off. And that's so true. And I just kept my head in the sand. And, and a lot of people get like, you don't know so-and-so. I'm like, no, because I just chose Walter Yost. Oh my gosh. Walter Yost is amazing. Okay. Sports photographer. So there's a, there's a couple that people can follow and yeah. I will look them up, find links and put links in the show notes and in the YouTube video cool. notes for that so that you guys can go yeah. find them and look them yeah, up. I'll, get, I'll send you a link to this video right when we're done and, and you're going to laugh when you see it. Yeah. It's so, as soon as you said that, my heart kind of went, oh, I can't believe I missed that. Because it looks so freaking yeah. real. Um, so Atiba, first of all, again, thank you. But if yep. people want to find you, what's your website? Atibaphoto.com. A-T-I-B as in boy, A-photo.com. Needs an update. It's okay. been about a year, but um, I'm still really proud of the work that's on there. But I've been you know, still working through the pandemic, luckily. And I have a portrait uh, project that I'm working on. That's like a hundred portraits of skateboarders. That's a continuation off this uh, cover of Thrasher that I did where we shot 32 black skateboarders, um, all in the same style. I used just the R5 with a 50 millimeter 1.2 lens. And it's like a DMV photo, very intimate. It's just a headshot. Um, I use the eye focus. So I'm at one, two on my aperture. So I'm so shallow. It's just, and I think a, a bunch of those are on focus. your Instagram, right? Yes. Yeah. That was from the thrasher, uh, cover shoot. Um, okay. but it's, you know, that lens is so magical. Yeah. Um, that I'm really just like loving this and I do it just in open shade. It's a super simple portrait and I've shot about 90 pro skaters that I've really look up to from all walks of life from, you know, Tyshawn Jones, Tony Hawk to even, you know, the 12 year old sky Brown, just like a whole medley of different skateboarders. So all shot in the same specific way. So, and I you mean, can find Atiba on Instagram and Twitter. It's Atiba Photo as well, just like yes, the website Atiba Photo. Yes, I need to be a little uh, more active Facebook, on Twitter. <laughs> Facebook, okay. yes, yeah, and I love too. Twitter. I know Twitter's so my I, home. I really got into Twitter once, you know, protesting and stuff. It was really great to follow protesting and things like that. And it really gave me a new love for how much information is on Twitter that you can find different than you would on Instagram. Yeah. It's, me as it's, a photographer, I, again, I love to Instagram me, period. Cause you can just yeah, look at it. Yeah. But. Yeah. And, and you're on Facebook too, atiba.jefferson on Facebook. So everybody go find Atiba. And again, Atiba, uh, taking time out of your day today, dude, I appreciate mm -hmm. it so much. Thank you so much for no being problem. here, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Go Dodgers. Oh, and congratulations. Can't explore a light. Yes. Thank you. I'm so honored to be on the team. Looking, looking forward to what you do with Canon and everything. And to everybody else, just a quick reminder, I do the critique shows with Don Komarechka. We do those once a month, early in the month. And now we have a guest coming on as well and doing the critiques with us. On the last one, we actually had uh, Jordan Drake of DP Review TV join us. If you want to get in on those, go over to Flickr, sign up for a free Flickr account or a paid Flickr account, even better. Join the Behind the Shot group. Start submitting your images for fun. We will not consider them in the pool that we choose images to to critique unless you tag them with a Flickr tag. That's like your permission for us to critique them. And the tag is BTS critique. So make sure that you tag them. Uh, other than that, everybody, thanks for joining us as always. My name is Steve Brazel. You can find me online at stevebrazel.com, like Brazil, two L's, uh, behindtheshot.tv for this particular show. And for today's guest, you can find all the links to Atiba, the gallery, the little bit that I wrote about Atiba. You can find those up there as well. If you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, it's at Steve Brazel or at Behind the Shot TV. Both of those. Uh, feel free to follow on both if you want to. And I always try and, and respond to anybody that communicates with me. To everybody else, thanks so much for watching today. Thanks to my guest, Atiba. Thanks to Canon for working this out for me because I was really excited about today's episode. And I hope you all have a great day. We will see you on the next show.